0: podcast has bad words. (laughs) Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh I bet that you'd be fine without it.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Indeed we are. Welcome to episode 139. Today we're going to talk about ownership versus access. And if you're watching the video version of this, you probably see we have a a special guest in the studio today. And we'll get to that in a second. But um, if we were a regular podcast, this is where the advertisements would go. We would just start talking about underwear and mattresses and and other other vaping apparently is now making its way into podcasts and all the food delivery meal services. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) But we don't do that. But since we are talking about access today, I did want to talk about uh, something. So my birthday was on Friday and well, the hometown that we're from, we're from a a city called Dayton, Ohio and uh, born and raised there. And on the west side of Dayton is one of the largest food deserts in the country. And so, we often, when we think about access to things, we'll think about access. Well, today we'll talk about access to parks or maybe vehicles or housing. We often don't think about our access to food. It's one of the things we take for granted because I can go down to the grocery store in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and I can buy the apples and the carrots and the lettuce and the meat and everything else I need to um, to survive. But in Dayton, Ohio, there's one of the largest food deserts in the country. There, it's the second hungriest city in the United States, and the reason being is there just isn't access to healthy food. And so, what Ryan and I are deciding to do, and uh, you all can help out with my birthday as well, um, we're trying to help uh, a co-op called the Jim City Market build the first grocery store on West Dayton in about a decade, the the Kroger that was there went out of business in 2008. And uh, it's gonna take a lot of effort and a lot of money and a lot of planning and we're trying to raise $100,000 to help build this uh, this grocery store in West Dayton. And so if you all, we'll we'll talk more about that toward the end of the podcast, but if you're interested in helping out with that, I just turned 37. And so if you wanna donate $37 for my birthday, I could use it a whole lot more than a tie clip or I don't know, a <laughs> pair of suspenders. I will be returning that tie clip I got you. <laughs> if you would, and then once you return it, take that money. Go to the slash Dayton. Okay. And you can get more information on that grocery store we're trying to build. You can help out. Also, if you can afford more than that, $90 gets a family a lifetime membership to the co-op. So wow. the slash Dayton if you're interested. Now, if you're watching the video version of the podcast, you probably see this tall man to my left. His name is Ryan He's from a a company called Omni. And, um, well, we're talking about access today. I thought, we we don't do interviews, but occasionally we'll bring people on to help us answer some questions. I thought you were the right guy to, to answer some questions here because you're the COO of Omni, which... I've had sh- I've been trying to explain Omni to a few people and I've had I've had a, uh, a bit of a struggle okay. explaining it. And I was hoping maybe you could explain it to me. Although the way you, you you tweeted about this recently, um you said one way to think about Omni is that we empower you to own the things you want to own and access everything else. And it sounds to me like Omni is a company that wants people to have access to things that they may not want to own. What is uh what is Omni about? Yeah, so that's exactly how we think about it. So we think about
2: Omni as empowering people to access the things that they want to own. Um, be that essentials, be that hobbies, whatever it is, um, uh, to, to be able to own those things and then be able to access everything else. And so the idea is, uh, you know, we have we we live in a world where sometimes things are needed. And um, because of infrastructure and life decisions and whatever, people have just accumulated a ton of this stuff. Right, and so we think of it about these items that you use once a month or once a year or once every five years. And items that might take up a ton of space in your home um, and items that might also be valuable to other people. And so the whole goal of Omni is to build a platform that allows people to access these things when they need it um, and not have to keep those items around their house. And so you get two benefits. One is instead of owning things, you can just pay for things by the day or the month or the week when you need them. And then on the flip side, you can also free up room in your house and make money on things by sharing them with your neighbors, your community, um, share them with your friends for free. And so we think about it, hopefully, uh, as sort of building this future where everyone can own way more, but be able to own way less, but be able to do way more mm, yeah. um, with things.
3: I love it. What, so what, uh, like where, are you, where are you all at right now with Omni? Yeah. Uh, like what cities, where, where can people use this service currently?
2: Yeah, so we started about three years ago. Uh, we're currently in the Bay Area. Uh, we cover most of the Bay Area and then we're actually coming to Portland Sure. Um, partnering with the city of Portland to bring Omni there uh, later this summer. Um, and so the story of Omni is a little interesting. We started knowing that in order to build this sort of network, allowing people to share things, we needed to get really high quality goods. Mm-hmm. And so we started as a management platform where you could uh, add deposit items that you own. So you could, put your drill or your bike and you could get it back whenever you need it so you could free up space in your home but if you still wanted to go bike riding on the weekends you could have your road bike delivered and so it wasn't storage it was all itemized we took really nice photos of it we would deliver it back to you Um, but that was really the foundation so we spent two years building that to build up sort of this network of items that we could then unlock the value of for the world
1: because if you don't have the items you can't lend them out you can't can't go into my house and grab a ladder and say "All right, I'm going to lend this out to someone else you'd be pretty pissed if we did that Nicodemus was talking about this um Last night, we uh, we were driving home from the airport when I picked you up. Yeah. And you were like, there's this ladder I use maybe once every other month or, or something. Month. Yeah. yeah. I,
3: I've got a ladder to get to my roof, and it's nice to go up there every once in a while for sunset and, like, you know, check out the Hollywood sign, yeah. you know, have a glass of wine or something. But it's like the other 30 days during the month I don't use it. It'd be nice to make five or 10 bucks off of it.
2: And ladders are interesting because they have a cost, not just to you on the opportunity cost of what you can make financially, but it takes up a ton of space. Yeah. Yeah. It's and just on my patio. Transporting yeah. it is, you know, it's taking up room back there it's transporting it is terrible and so you know we think about the value that we create not just in the sort of uh you know money that you can make on items or whatever but freeing up space in your Mm. home and we think spaces should be for living not for storing for storing stuff yeah Um, amen
1: and the weird thing is we're building houses that are larger than ever and then two things happen one is we just over time fill it with stuff you know i remember i I built when i built my first house in dayton ohio in the suburbs of dayton i was you know it was this huge monstrosity with full basement two and a half car garage which i don't know how you fit a half car in there i mean is that a prius or something (laughs) i guess you put three priuses in there (laughs) um and and of course you uh, most people are filling their garage with stuff so they they have a two and a half car garage that barely fits one car because of the ladder and all this other stuff and, and so In a weird way, we we start to lose access to the things we even own because it's just piling up there (laughs) in the basement or the closet or the attic. And how often do we actually go and and use those things? So we're paying for all this extra space and we own these things, meaning we we sort of hoard them, but we, we don't. We don't actually use the things totally, and it seems to me I've been waiting for a business to come along and have this model where you know you're sort of the Uber for stuff is the way that that uh, I'm sure it was pitched in some uh, venture capitalist meeting somewhere at some point in time, but um, that's the way that I see it. Right, I I, I look at that and I say because. Growing up, I didn't have to have a basketball court in my backyard to have access to play basketball. And you you didn't need access. You didn't have to. I mean, people have swimming pools in their backyards, but I didn't have one. I mean, we grew up poor as shit. Mm-hmm. And... and I had access to the YMCA swimming pool though and and now it's like well how can we do that with individual items whether it's Ryan's ladder or I was on the website I saw all kinds of things on there like um it's not in Los Angeles yet so not yet um uh I I can't use it yet but I'm really looking forward to the day where I can get that Chewbacca costume that I saw on the website (laughs) 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 I just need this it's like I have ten dollars
3: a day or something you're just gonna do it like to record (laughs) one episode of of our podcast with video and just
1: be in a Chewbacca outfit and not say a word about <laughs> None it. None of us mention it the whole time. <laughs> uh, but there are other things in there, and even things like books. Like I saw a Malcolm yeah. Gladwell book on there, and uh, you know it's like a dollar a day. And, and you're like, well, that's what libraries do, but maybe this uh, there's something here. If I'm getting a bunch of other items, and oh, by the way, I always wanted to read the tipping point, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden I go. can at the same time. And and the nice thing is you're taking you're freeing up space in one person's life. And then you are you're giving access to that same stuff to, to many other people while I'm not using it. Um, I was thinking recently, and our friend Rob Bell just did an episode about this. I've seen more and more of these now. Um, these little scooters yeah. bird, oh, bird and lime. Yeah. Do they oh have them God. up in the Bay Area? They
2: did. Uh, uh, they got rid of them. This, the government just uh, yeah. shut it down but Well they are
3: they're amazing. But the problem is, like people don't put them back in the bike rack. Like there's, yeah. so they just end up thrown everywhere. All sidewalks. That's sort of the beauty of it. The though. yard. Yeah, I mean it's it's great for us if if we don't if we don't own that yard that
1: all, <laughs> that all the birds are thrown in. Yeah, so I haven't seen any any yards <laughs> yet, but I've seen a lot, especially the, just the last seven days, like the last week. I've seen a ton of them, uh, but both of them, bird and and lime. And people are leaving them on like street corners, so the, it'll mm. be on like yeah. Um, yeah, the corner of uh, Sweetzer and and uh, Beverly or something, where that blue bottle of coffee is. And yeah. you'll see a one there, and you'll see a lime on the opposite corner. And yeah. I'm definitely going to try it out this week. Just Dude, there's so much fun. Yeah. So,
3: the, so just for our listeners, uh, th- this is a an electric scooter. That is uh, it's battery battery charged. Uh, you take a couple you know, steps or a couple pushes, and like you hit the button, and all of a sudden you can go. Um, what's crazy to me about this whole bird lime thing is that, there are kids. There are high school kids, yeah, like the chargers. M- yeah, making like yeah. hundreds of dollars a day. It's brilliant from yeah from going around collecting these things and then plugging them in. There was a um, there was this homeless dude that came out to me in Santa Monica a couple weeks ago when I was up there surfing, and uh, he was like, "Hey man, you know, can I get a couple bucks?" And I was like, "Yeah man, sure." Like you know, I gave him a little bit of change, whatever I had in my pocket. And I was like, "You know these birds?" I was like, "You know you can charge these things and like make a couple hundred bucks a day if you." you know, if you max it out. And he was like, "Like, I blew his mind. He's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then he got a smartphone out, <laughs> downloaded the app. Give <laughs> him a charger. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. great, man.
1: Well, usually we, we have voicemails that we, we answer some voicemail questions before we move into the lightning round. But today we're gonna sort of merge the two segments together. It worked really well last week when uh, I brought my two doctors in from Nourish, Balance, Thrive, and we had a chat. Um, and and so we didn't have any voicemails specifically about access. We had a lot of social media questions. So uh, we're at The Minimalist on all the, the socials, and we have some questions here today. Let's start with our, our first question. It is from Emily. Emily asks, ownership at its core has to be an ego thing, right? Oh, um, man. When I, mean, I walked
3: down to my garage this morning and saw my neighbor's new G-Wagon <laughs> <laughs> in the garage, I got my 2004 Toyota Corolla. There, there, I definitely like Looked at that I'm like you Gotta be an egotistical person To have a freaking G-Wagon
1: I don't think so I mean I think I, I, I think uh, If you have the money For a, a Something like A, a Mercedes Benz Yeah SUV It's Somewhat like a piece of art. Yeah, to, I'm to kind me. of projecting too because I wish I owned a G wagon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's beautiful engineering there, but uh, the truth be told, a brand new Toyota Corolla is probably more reliable. Sure. Uh, in terms of its engineering and you know the six sigma that goes into the uh, the design and right. and also the 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 manufacturing, the the sort of repetition has to be good to produce that many of of one product. Mm-hmm. Now, Ryan, I don't know if you think that there's ego involved in this. When I, when I think about uh, ownership, I think there's there's certainly necessary ownership. And what we're not saying here is you shouldn't own anything and you should just only have access to things. That's, yeah. that's a weird sort of uh, Dystopia. dystopian yeah. communism. And w- what I like is you've provided a market solution to this this problem that we have of both overabundance and also lack of access yep. at the same time and I don't know I think sometimes maybe ego is involved in ownership I think definitely is mm-hmm. Our our
2: the way, I, the way I hope to see things move is where it turns into the things that you own you have pride in those things mm-hmm. in a healthy way and so you know I think about when we talk about like helping people own the things they want to own if you're really into art or sneakers or whatever it is like that's great. You should pursue those things, but you shouldn't also feel like you have to own a drill and a ladder and uh, you know a boogie board and a surfboard and a drone and all these other things. You should be able to get access to those things whenever you need them. And so, I don't know. I do think I do think in its worst form, it does tie to ego. But I also think there's a, a positive side of that that probably taps into a similar emotion around pride of buying quality things, which yeah. I know you guys have talked about a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which I'm a big proponent of It's like fi- research, find great things, and then you know buy those things instead of buying. The junk that is going to be thrown away in a year
3: yeah i totally agree like it is owning stuff egotistical like as a blanket to say yes like that's not true right um but certainly yeah the bad side of it it certainly can be egotistical i think for anyone out there who's like asking oh you know am i egotistical by owning this one thing i mean you've got to ask why are you owning that one thing mm. is that person owning the g-wagon because they really do find the beauty in the art yeah right. and you know they they go off-roading a lot and they have all these these value adds to their life from owning a g-wagon not to mention it is a beautiful it is a beautiful car or are they owning it because they're like yeah i'm the shit yeah man look at me i own a g-wagon i'm awesome look how rich i am right
1: like maybe that's what it really boils down to is do i own this so i can say look at me or mm -hmm. do i own this because i truly get value from it And and if you can sort of parse that out, and maybe sometimes it's both, and then that can be a problem as well. I mean, you and I both drive Toyotas, and I'm sure I could go finance a more expensive car if I wanted to, but I I really don't want a car payment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I could, you know, find a way to to afford that Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon, but why? Because it wouldn't be for me in that case.
3: That's interesting. So if you Mm. uh, what I heard you say, and and I'm not saying that this is true, but it might be, and you know, I I don't I don't want to say the majority of the time, but maybe. If you are taking a loan out on something like a G wagon, uh-huh. it, it probably it might it might be an egotistical move, right?
1: Uh, because what? if you're
3: financing something to when there's a substitute you can use that is is going to allow you to not finance it, I mean, you might ego might get a little bit involved there because I know, like my 2004 Toyota Corolla dude, I look like a I'm long-haired hippie driving a 2004 Corolla. Um, but at the you end of the, the day... a surfboard
1: rack at the Right, exactly. Like,
3: I don't care what people think of me in my 2004 Corolla. Sure. But a lot of people do. Like, they do want to... Uh, they do care about other people's thoughts. And if we're buying something or financing something just because we are concerned how other people look at us or we're trying to impress someone, um, yeah, financing might... Be
1: might lean towards that ego side. I don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what I would say is I don't care what you think about me. I care what I think about me. And the same thing is true with with the material possessions. Um, my car is newer than yours, and it's. I don't have anything against uh, a two thousand four Toyota Corolla, but i prefer to have a different car from what you have and there's nothing wrong with it but i i have it for me it's not to impress anyone else i don't care what anyone else thinks oh you drive a toyota like i I live in a building where there are a lot of bmws and mercedes and they are pieces of art i mean g-wagons there yeah well yeah there's definitely quite a few of those and there's (laughs) one that's that's camouflage i I haven't seen it yet (laughs) 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 <laughs> Do <Did> not t- <laughs> throw in <laughs> a rim shot, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, and and, and I guess I, I think that's the same thing is true with with our stuff, if, I, if I'm if I owning something for me because I truly get value from it, then I don't think there's a, a part of the ego uh, or at least the bad part of the ego where, where I'm worried about that. If I'm trying to impress other people or impress upon them, well, I am this kind of person because I own this widget and we can remove cars from the whole thing for a second. Think about this for a second. The average American throws away 88 pounds of clothes a year and yet we continue to go shopping for more clothes. Mm. And, and not just shopping like, oh, let me take some cash out of my pocket, I'll buy this shirt. No, let me put that on the Banana Republic credit card, I'll open it up and save 10%, I'd be stupid not to do it. <laughs> and, and it becomes this weird thing where it's like, oh, I'm trying to impress upon you this image. As opposed to saying, "Oh, I really like this shirt because it, it fits me well, or I feel good in this, or it's simple, or uh, yeah. this is how I get value from it." As opposed to, "Man, I really hope this impresses someone else." Man,
3: reading that book, uh, retired inspired by Chris Hogan. Yeah, he talks about fake rich, and he yeah. talks about how he's like, you can live your whole life like being fake rich, and then really regretting it, like when you don't have any retirement savings, or you know, you can live a meaningful life. Uh, you can you know cut out the extra expenses and save for retirement, yeah. but you know I think that's another thing too. It's like, are you are you know are are people buying things to be fake to look like they're they're mm-hmm. rich the to term. be fake rich in the short term? Yeah. Which all, I, I know we talked about this on the podcast before, but like Ryan, it it totally boggles my mind. Why do people want other people to think they're rich? Like I, I don't get it. It's because a it's going to attract the wrong type of a uh, person who... I mean, if they're coming at me just because I'm driving a G-Wagon, for example, yeah. well, then that's... Th- the you prob- want that relationship? Right, that exactly. Person. Do yeah. I want that relationship? Um, you know, guys who buy really nice cars so they can impress women. It's like, is, are those really the type of women you want to bring into your life? A woman that's going to judge you just for the type of car that you drive? Hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me why people even go out of their way to be fake rich.
1: Well, it, it reminds me of... I, we got this tweet uh, on the Minimalist account and this, this lady said something about... Um, what drives me crazy is i always feel the need i have to wear really nice clothes so that um so that men will like me oh and i'm like a real man really doesn't give a shit what you're wearing if he likes you he likes you for you and Mm -hmm. it's not about like oh well i would date her but uh, her heels just weren't high enough or man that sweater was too orange for me um I, a lot of the the pressure that we feel we think we feel it's not someone else we're just projecting that pressure on, on, on. it's like a self-imposed pressure that's a good point yeah yeah, yeah a yes a indeed the times What's all the right next question the next question this one is
3: from Subi is it worth it to rent something instead of buying it man mm-hmm. that's
1: like a another question there's not just a yes or no answer there is there right and and, and that's a good good I mean it's good news right because so uh, so think about this I, I own a car you own a car mm-hmm. but when we go out on tour we rent cars we rent we don't go to like oh, we're going to nashville next month let's buy a car <laughs> and while we'll we're sell there. it at the end of tour right? <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't make sense in fact i the one of the things i like about about um one of the things i like about ownership is it's mine and and no one else is like messing with it and it's one of the things that uh, terrified me about renting things at first but then I think about when I rent cars, they're yeah. like pristine. When we go to Enterprise, and I show up and they give us like a almost a brand new Toyota Camry or whatever. And it is pristine mm-hmm. every time I, I get one because they've taken care of it. And you, I mean, you're obviously paying for that as well when you rent it. But it makes more sense for us to rent a vehicle for a couple of days than it does to, to you know, buy a car where they're obviously, or there are, sometimes when we go to a city and it's just like, hey, let's just take the Uber or Lyft option while we're here. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what, what you're doing with stuff now is saying, hey, the, you can own what you want to own, what you truly need, but you can kind of rent the rest. Yeah, and
2: I think it's also about the cost to you of owning that thing. Mm-hmm. So in San Francisco, if you own a ladder, that's probably taking up a significant amount of space mm-hmm. in your one-bedroom apartment or your tiny little deck or whatever. And so there's a cost... $6,000 studio apartment. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's a cost not just the financial cost of buying it, but you have to also think of the cost to you, like psychologically and with the space in your home of how much of that's taking up. Yeah. And so we think about it as, you know, it's not just, hey, this ladder costs 50 bucks so I can rent it for 10. Am I gonna use it more than five times in the next two years? It's about what would that cost be to me to have that sitting on my porch for the next two years? And how much would I gain by just being able to have that show up when I need to? Um, but I also think it is about, I mean, I'm I'm always hesitant to like say you know these sort of global statements about what you should own or what you shouldn't because maybe you're super passionate about home improvement projects and you have your favorite ladder that you want every time and you want to own that and I think you should be able to own that absolutely um but it's you know I think it's more about having that evaluation of what are the things that I need to own and I want to own because of these legitimate reasons versus the things that I feel like I have to own because I might need a drill to fix a thing at some point there's a term you guys use for this uh about like the what if uh item in case just in case items, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, how many of those things do we all have sitting around our house that you know, with something like Omni or hopefully many other companies that do this, you could have show up at your door in two hours when you need to yeah. and not have to own that thing, yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: You know, it's funny when I think about the renting versus owning, I was having a conversation, uh, with uh, my massage therapist with Meryl. Hope she's listening to this. Shout out, um, but we were talking about ownership uh, versus renting when it comes to houses, yeah. And uh, we live in LA, and uh, if let's say Owning was, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, well, a, I'd have to take out a thirty-year mortgage because there's no way I could afford to pay cash for a home in LA. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing too is that I would have to hold on to that house for like five years, six years to to be able to maybe break even on yeah, it versus renting. Right versus renting. So right now, because you know we're we're not uh, we're not sold on you know being here the rest of our lives, uh, which we might be. And you, tomorrow we might wake up and be like, yeah, we are going to be here the rest of our lives. Right. Um, and if that's the case, then I would look at buying something different. But right now for what we are doing uh, while we're in LA, it's better to rent. Um, because again, like buying, I would have to hold on to it for five years. And even then, like my house, um, I had a condo in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and I bought that in 2009. So it was right after the crash. So I got this really good deal on this condo. Mm-hmm. Had it for six years. I lost $20,000. I finally was like through my hands in the air and I'm like, I got to get rid of this. I don't want this mortgage anymore. And I lost $20,000. I had to pay 20000 bucks.
1: You know what's fascinating about really? that? Yes. Even though you bought it at the bottom. Even though I yeah. bought it at the bottom. You, you, so a really good deal was losing $20,000. Yes. And not to mention, the you, you talked about the other costs. The cost of everything you had to deal with, with yeah. renting it out to someone when you moved to Montana and fixing things, and then just the burden it was, the psychological burden of it sort of you're weighing on the back of your mind yeah that's an additional cost that you can't quantify monetarily i mean i guess you can everyone could say well yes you can pay me 200 dollars a month for the psychological burden but why why have to deal with that yeah
3: i mean the reason why i'm sharing this too is like anyone out there who is you know having this question should i rent should i buy a lot of like for me i bought because of that blanket statement it's dumb to rent it's better to own yeah and i never really looked past that it was just well this is what society says so I'm gonna go ahead and I am gonna buy a house because I've been renting for the last four years and I might as well buy because this is a better deal
1: and and I don't think we we often think about why society says that with respect to owning a home Mm. Um, we we the 30 year mortgage is such a strange thing. I would personally never take out a a 30 year mortgage to, to own a house. I can see a case. I still think there's no such thing as good debt, you know, and and we'll, we'll talk about that next month when we're out on the, the (laughs) money tour that we're on. But, um, I can see there's some debt that is less bad than other debt and having a, you know, a seven or 15 year mortgage you're trying to pay off really quickly to build up that, that house. Although I I don't, I don't tend to think of owning your own house as an investment. And I think sometimes we, we mistake the, the ownership of, of the home that we're in as like some sort of grand investment. But as you prove to yourself, even after buying this investment, um sometimes we we lose money on it and uh so i think we have to be really careful about ownership with respect to well i should own this because everyone else says i should own it whether that's a ladder or a drone or a chewbacca costume (laughs) or a house yeah i really want to hear your chewbacca impersonation josh (laughs) (laughs) all right our next question is from peter peter says shouldn't we invest in the things we use a lot instead of minimizing them buying a coffee machine is much cheaper than buying a coffee than buying a coffee every time we want one now i just buy a new coffee machine every morning <laughs> to get the, f- the freshest cup possible <laughs> yeah i wanted to taste like plastic a little bit it's like people that buy a new shirt every
2: day yeah <laughs> never want to wear it twice <laughs> oh my uh, God. we
1: were in toronto the guy who owned the venue there he used to be in a um uh, so we were on tour last year and the guy who owned the, the venue in toronto he used to be in some metal band they would go out touring and he said the the thing that was most precious on their rider was a new pair of socks and a new shirt, like a pack of new black shirts every day. Because apparently when you're a rock band with six yeah. or seven dudes living out of a van, you don't shower a whole lot. And so you just change <laughs> yeah. your underwear. Laundry is
2: not at the top of the list. <laughs> no, you change your
1: underwear, you change your shirt. But otherwise, no, I mean, and, and I think the same goes for my clothes. I mean, I own the shirt that I'm wearing here. the The same is true. I have a... Um, I make coffee at home, made coffee at home this morning, mm-hmm. and we're not saying don't own anything. We're, we're trying to figure out, we're trying to parse out. So, there's essay on our website recently, um, that you saw because I, I saw you tweet about it, but, um, uh essential non-essential and junk basically and figuring out what's essential for you and it's going to be different from me versus ryan versus ryan number two and and each of us is going to have uh something different especially in the second category which is non-essential the things that add value to our lives most of us have the same fundamental needs for housing and food and, and and you know clothing But then beyond that, what adds value to our life? They're non-essentials. I don't have to have this glass. I could go to the fountain and stick my head under it and drink that way. But this adds value to my life. So having this glass is a non-essential, but something that adds value. The problem is the third category, which is probably 90 plus percent of the stuff that we own, is junk. And we pretend it adds value. (laughs) Or here's the other thing. There's almost this weird in-between area where there are these non-essentials that are actually we don't use most of the time and i think that's where where you come in and you say okay maybe you do get value from it but maybe you only get value from it once a month or once a year Mm -hmm. why why let it take up all that extra space in the meantime
2: and i think coffee machines also like to use this specific
1: example like if you're into coffee that's a
2: great thing to own like Mm i i love my coffee machine i you know i i research them i'm excited about them and i think i think it's important that people know that like at least from our from our perspective i think you guys agree it's like the things that you love and the things that you want to own and that you care about are things that are good and you know healthy and that's a great thing to invest in Mm -hmm. for sure so going with the same
3: example like i'm thinking about so i've got a coffee set up but i do pour over because it's one glass and I don't waste you a colour. or V or uh, Oh, you, you Kalita. No oh, Kalita. Yeah, it's like a Kalita. It's yeah, like right. the blue bottle. Yeah. The blue bottle Kalita. I think it's still considered a Kalita. I don't know. I should know this stuff owning a coffee shop. <laughs> but uh, but you know, I don't have a like a coffee maker and when I have I mean there's one point I had my mom, my grandmother, and three siblings staying with us and yeah. all of them drank coffee. So, uh, sitting there and making your hand got really tired <laughs> to make it six, pour. I was like, good grief. Like I need to get a coffee machine, but I was like, I'm not going to buy a coffee machine yeah." just no. for this every once in a while thing where I got guests who all drink coffee and uh, it's a pain in the butt to make all these pour overs, but a thing like, being able to rent one and have one delivered yeah, totally. from Omni in two hours of my house, man, that is that's that's a perfect solution.
1: Yeah, yeah or, or or now with you have these apps like a Postmates or something, you could get six cups of coffee delivered probably. There you <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know, Someone I don't know, yeah, I don't know exactly how that would work with with coffee, but I assume that you, you could do that as well. And so there are it's sort of like these. Now, if you had six people living with you every day, then that'd be a different story. Right. Then you would need a different solution. You know, for me, I have I have, do, do, I do two separate pour overs v six these in the morning one for me one for bex and i i don't wait till late because i like having coffee with her so i don't want to make one and then make a second one and so i just have two set up and that's what works well for me i use it every day that is something that is non-essential but it is pretty damn close to essential at this point um i, I think about um when, I, when i'm thinking about these the, the first time i really thought about the the junk uh, Ryan and you and I came with the, the 2020 rule, the just in case rule, mm-hmm. anything that you don't need, you can replace for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes. Or apparently if Omni is in your city, uh, <laughs> you, you can also replace or temporarily replace it. Um, the, the when I was going on my honeymoons, so I was 22 years old. You remember, you were in my wedding. Yes. Um,
3: With the stre- Was it a stretch escalade?
1: <laughs> no, it was a stretch hummer. Oh yeah, that's right. It was a stretch hummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were at the pinnacle, we were at peak consumption in my early 20s, early yeah. to mid 20s. <laughs> um, oh, it's so terrible. Uh, and anyway, like, I remember going on the honeymoon and um, my spouse and I, uh, we both overpacked, but she overpacked significantly. She had uh, the biggest suitcase you know, the, someone got us the these suitcases for um, for your wedding, yeah, as wedding okay. gifts, and it's like the the this collection of suitcases from extra large to small, yep. basically. They like nest like Russian were, nesting dolls, yeah. Yeah, they were, but they were um, more terrifying yeah. because you could fill them with stuff, right? And and so uh, the 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 largest one she had, and of course, if you have the largest one, you feel compelled to fill it right with everything, right? And so she just crammed <laughs> it full of stuff. <laughs> And I had the next... So she had the extra large. I had the large. I filled mine up with stuff as well. And then uh, she had the medium, which she tried to use as a carry-on, but they wouldn't let her because it was too big. And then I had the small, which I used as a carry-on, in addition to like bringing a laptop bag with me. <laughs> this is a one-week honeymoon. Yeah. In Mexico... <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason i have like a suit with me and i have like all of these these extra like, i had like four pairs of swimming trunks because of course i'm gonna need right. a different pair every day right and like, what if
3: the first three pair get
1: dirty you need pol- a fourth <laughs> yeah polo <laughs> shirts and khakis and what am i doing but i didn't even think of what am i doing it's like well i've got the space i have to fill i feel compelled I? to fill it so we get to the airport uh so we're flying out of cincinnati so we drove down to cincinnati which is the cincinnati airport's actually in kentucky and um She puts her bag up on the scale and it's 70 pounds. (laughs) And they're like, ma'am, you can't, we can't take this much stuff. And so they put my bag up there and it's 40 pounds. Well, the limit at the time was 50 pounds. And so we had to remove 10 pounds from her bag and put it in my my bag. We had to remove 10 pounds from her other bag and put it on her carry on bag, which then she had to check. And so we had. I mean I'm doing the math real quick in my head damn near 200 pounds worth of stuff with it 150 pounds worth of stuff we had another human with us basically (laughs) and I can tell you that like most of that stuff just got in the way which was like the perfect metaphor was like I didn't need, didn't end up using much of the stuff, and some of the, some of the stuff I used, I used just out of obligation. Well, I brought four pairs of swimming trunks. Totally. I might as well just alternate through them. And now mm. it's like, now I'll bring one pair of workout slash swimming trunks, and it like they uh, they serve multiple functions. And so I think when we think about our access to stuff, we're okay with having an empty room. Like you're complete without filling it. It's totally fine. And, in fact, it's really freeing. Mm-hmm. I remember when we did the, the packing party for Ryan when he, like, first embraced minimalism, packed up all his stuff as if he were moving. And you went over to his condo, that big condo he was talking about, and it sounded different because you, like, you removed the... the the superfluous sort of things that dampen the sound. And all of a sudden you're like, you have this like echo, but it was like a pleasant echo. It was like the echo you get from going to a cathedral or something where all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is, this is calming. Mm. Uh, I've noticed that I've been doing this video series on YouTube this month. Um, this past month, with with uh, doing a, answering a video every day, it's called living room conversations. Hmm. And basically, I just turn on my phone camera and answer one question a day in my living room. And there's someone always comments like, "There seems to be an echo in there." I'm like, "No shit, I don't own anything." Right. Like that's we own exactly what we need, and then also what adds value to our lives. But then we don't have the superfluous stuff. And hopefully, there'll be a service soon where if I do need something, then I can then I can bring it into my home.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning before the podcast how like when I was in the corporate world, I would buy stuff to fill the space because I had the space. Mm-hmm. But every time I bought something, it was like this this affirmation of like, yeah, man, you're making it. You're living the American dream. You're, you're able to do what you want. And yeah, before I knew it, I had a condo full of a bunch of stuff. But man, when I finally removed it, it felt so good like being in and that's for me. Some people like they like being around clutter and that's fine. But for me, like having an empty room, some art on the wall, you know, bookshelf, a couch, like that's like, I'm thinking about my living room right now. I mean, it's, it's uh pretty empty, but it is so much better. Like I don't look at, you know, my art and think, man, I wish I had 10 more paintings or I wish I had two more couches or, 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 uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, for someone who, uh, (laughs) for someone who who thinks that that sounds crazy like try it out meaning like have your own little packing party uh maybe in your living room like think of the room that you are in the most and Mm -hmm. and just pack up as you know uh, whatever you can and and see what it's like to have an empty room i'm not like a huge believer in feng shui or anything like i really don't know anything about feng shui but like after that packing party i started to get it i Mm -hmm. started to understand like oh okay yeah like when i'm sitting here on my laptop answering emails from work like not having a big screen tv in front of me to distract
1: me it Mm -hmm. really helps me to stay more focused it helps me feel better i was teaching a writing class this weekend and one of the things i was talking about was uh the conversation i had with donald ray pollock he's a novelist from chillicothe ohio and he um i said how do you like because he started writing when he was 55 years old he had this really inspirational story like how how do you like stay focused and he's like just sit in the chair like those four words totally changed my Mm -hmm. life with respect to writing because what he was really saying it was a metaphor for like remove the distractions no wi-fi don't have your phone with you there's no tv or radio on yeah it's just it's it's removing the superfluous and then you can bring those things back in when when you truly need them, as opposed to having the the, the distractions turned on, as if it's a, a fireplace going all the time. It's just the glowing screens all around us. And and I get it. It's really it's really intriguing. You know, I've got a five year old daughter, and she loves watching Peppa Pig. And what's the new one? She watches. Pocoyo is the the new the new kids i guess it's special the new kids craze yeah it's on it's on <laughs> youtube and she just loves watching it but uh so i i, I and the, the sad thing is like you know my frontal cortex is fully developed and i still get trapped by the the yeah. glowing screen totally and and so
2: that's been amazing we just had a uh it was a six-month-old son uh-huh. and how quickly they developed that that reflex to see a screen and like get turned well, it, towards it wow. is incredible
1: and the, the weird thing is like y- you can like if you were to um if you were to take them walk them past a house where a sprinkler is just going crazy they may not think a whole lot of it um but if they see that same sprinkler on a television yeah. it's like oh <gasps> uh, like they're just there's something about the glowing screen that just, yeah it gets them fully enamored into this 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 other world. Dude, right.
3: glowing screens—they're they're pretty addictive, man. They are indeed. They <laughs> I are. Was, I was thinking about—I uh, was just in Missoula, and uh, we got some friends. Each of them have a, a two-year-old, and watching them use a cell phone and like how they can hardly talk, but, but they can—but they can yeah. use
1: a cell phone pretty easily. It's mm-hmm. I don't know something something crazy. Did you with hear that. about the, the the experiment where they they dropped off? This was I believe in Ethiopia. They dropped off um, tablets in the village in Ethiopia without any instructions whatsoever. And you know, most of the, the village was was illiterate uh, and especially little kids, they, they, they were not literate at all. And they had no instructions, no, no training. And they just dropped them off in the box. And within a week when they came back, the kids were already, they found a way to get online. Wow. And they were using the tablets and showing the younger kids, like the seven-year-olds are showing the three-year-olds how to do it. And, and, um, I heard about this on, on Seth Godin's podcast, um, Akimbo. And, um, what, what I thought about there is like, we, we feel compelled by these screens and they can do really great things. So it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not black and white. It's not binary. We're all here because of the internet, you know, that it's been a great thing for us, but it can also be. The greatest distraction i've ever experienced in my yeah. life mm-hmm. and the tug of war is trying to eliminate the distraction while using it for good i so, loved what uh, derek sivers said when he chatted with
2: you guys about like i think he said the greatest gift i can give my child is a long attention span yeah and i ever since i listened yes. to that i've just been thinking about that constantly i've just a, how, how much of like a superpower that's going to be for kids now to, you know, if you can develop that 20 years from now and, and it's very, everyone has short attention spans, that's going to feel like a superpower for them. Yeah. But then B, how do you, I mean, everything is fighting against that culturally, yeah. like as you're raising a kid and how do you start to consciously think about, uh, you know, how to create that in them?
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, what he does is so admirable, like where they'll, they'll just go and spend an entire yeah. day at a park and um it's testing the limits of his own attention span as well but um i think what happens when you remove the distractions you're you're able to do that and i've gotten Mm -hmm. considerably better uh especially with ella um and and just because for me i'm just like all right we've gone to the beach we've seen the sunset let's go 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 like next thing and that that was programmed into me probably as a child but mainly in the corporate world as well like just get the next thing done go task 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 all right sunset is done get in the car buckle (laughs) up all right we're driving to dinner and the next thing and then google maps it get the eta yeah yeah yeah, and you, you you have like all of the next things whereas derek has removed the the to do's so to speak and 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 instead he sort of has a to be list which is just the present moment, and that's it. Yeah, and uh, man, I really, I really admire that. And while I, I don't hope to be perfect, I hope to get closer to that each time that I, I spend time with Ella. And I still catch myself; I pull out my phone or whatever, and then I'm like, "What am I doing?" Yeah. Uh, Cal Newport. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his yeah. work. He, uh, uh, he did an event with Ryan. It was I was supposed to be there, but I was deathly ill. And uh, one of the things that he wrote recently was about um, the need for being a digital grown up. And mm. the th- thing that he talked about, this is so good. In fact, let me see if I can, it might still be on in my Insta paper here. I'll pull it up real quick. But basically what, what he's talking about is, um, well, here, it's right here. Digital wellness for grownups we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. Earlier this week, the Washington Post published an article on the digital wellness movement, which attempts to use technology to help cure some of the issues caused by technology. <laughs> by the way, that seems a bit quixotic to me, like to yeah, we we if we're just using technology to, to to it's like using a I don't know, it's like getting a paper cut and then taping that piece of paper on to you to heal the cut in a way. Yeah. Um, this movement, for example, is responsible for an app that, quote, plants a tree each time you put down your phone and then shows the tree withering and dying when you pick the phone back up. It also produced a popular plugin that displays each time you go online the number of days left in your expected lifetime. Even Apple is getting involved in digital wellness. Their new suite of, quote, well-being... Features in iOS includes a wake-up screen that helps you quote gently ease into your day when pick it, when you pick up your phone in the morning, and an and an improved Siri that makes suggestions about optimal notification settings. Uh, here's the optimal notification settings. Turn them off. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's optimal. Um, I recognize that digital tools have a useful role to play in produ- productivity. I've long advised, for example, that people use internet blocking software like Freedom to help jumpstart deep work training. So Mm -hmm. Cal Newport's uh, book is Deep Work. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well because it's well worth reading. Uh, But something about this growing digital wellness movement makes me uneasy. And I think I've finally put my finger on the source of my concern. It's infantilizing. This is so true i'm a grown man if i if i'm checking my phone every five minutes or playing video games instead of paying attention to my kids i don't need an animation of a dying tree to nudge me toward better better habits i need someone i respect to knock the stupid thing out of my hand and say get your act together my sense is that more and more people in our current culture of digital excess are hungry for this type of strong challenge Hmm. They don't want to depend on Apple to tweak their OS to be slightly less intrusive or need to download an app that provides a fun reminder about disconnecting. They want instead to be so wrapped up in doing things that are hard and important and meaningful that they forget where they left their phone in the first place. There's something about these new technologies and the screen zombie lifestyle that surrounds them that feels fundamentally childish. This is making people uneasy. That's because they're ready to grow up. And I think that, man, the the times where I'm not even tempted by Pacification or distraction are those times of deep work where mm. I'm I'm doing something that is deeply satisfying. Writing for me is, is one of those things. Mm. Or for podcasting, we're having these conversations. I don't feel like, damn, I would I need to check my email right now. Yeah, I wonder if I got yeah. any text messages. Let's stop and check the news. Maybe something happened. <laughs> <laughs> what is Trump tweeting about today? Yeah, it's like uh, okay. I mean, the, the times that I feel compelled to do that is the times where I feel compelled to. Uh, I want to. Go, I want to take the the path of least resistance. The go with the flow. The mm. easy route. I was. Yeah. I had my doctors on the podcast last week. and One of the things I was talking to them about, and, and this was fascinating. Like I felt like the optimal time for my health in my life, or at least what I thought when I felt really good, was age thirty one. And then right around thirty four, thirty five, I started having a ton of health problems. I've worked mm. really hard the last two years to fix them, and with their help, um, they've helped me out. Immensely, but I said one thing that I, I still don't feel as sharp as I did when I was at age 31. Like I'm, I'm much closer. I I got to a point two years ago when I had such bad brain fog I thought I was dying. I, I had a bunch of issues. I had C diff and which kills like 14,000 people a year. And 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 so I had the the set of problems and I had bad brain fog and I've recovered significantly from that. But I still don't feel as sharp as I did when I was 31. But mm. then I also listen to more podcasts than I've ever listened to. And I'm thinking, like, wait a minute. Like, that's just another pacifier for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I, and so this past week, I went and and deleted like 90% of the podcasts I listened to. I kept the ones that are like truly essential for me, Mm. uh, the ones that I I get immense value from. But I've spent the last week listening to very few podcasts and instead listening to music or just not bringing my phone with me at all when I go out for a walk and, and using that time to think. And, and I have felt a sense of just a little bit more clarity, like yeah. incremental, three percent more, five percent more. But imagine if that compounds over yeah the course of a year or something. That'd I think it's
2: it'll be interesting to see how podcasts impact time spent reading, yeah, because it's a similar I think it's a similar similar sort of neurological response of mm. like I'm getting this information, this information is valuable, but I do think it's i i I love podcasts, but I do think there's like a ton of value psychologically there's a lot of research to show this that like reading is important
1: yeah. and well, pa- podcasting or listening is fundamentally passive we're exactly, reading
2: is passive active. versus active yeah and it'll be interesting you know if i could read cal newport's book or if i could go listen to two podcasts with cal newport in 10 years you know which what's going to be sort of the path of least resistance and i think yeah. it'll be interesting to see you know if yeah. like re- if reading on a subject becomes this like very intentional act because just passively listening to something while you're doing work and catching the tidbits is so much easier.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, mm-hmm. there's this weird sort of payoff between going wide and going deep too. I mean, Ryan and I, we've published three books together, mm-hmm. and the the best we can hope for is like uh, a quarter million copies out there in the right. world, right? Which is phenomenal. Which yeah, yeah, and and and. But, if a quarter million people don 't listen to this episode, I would be devastated right so it 's this weird thing where where all of a sudden like you you have this 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 broader base of people. but the, I think the, the secret then with the the book it can 't be fluff exactly it has to go deep, it has to be meaningful and i 'm really encouraged by the new ways that we we publish things now we as a society, because it used to be a book had to be two hundred and fifty pages right because right. That way, uh, the publisher could justify charging right. forty dollars for this hard copy, and and now it doesn't have to be that way. If I look at you know a Dennis Johnson book or a Seth Godin book, these are books that are one hundred twenty pages sometimes because it's what, whatever is necessary, and they cut the excess stuff out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we we can do that now, and I think the same is true with with any other work that we do. Um, it's much more about going deep it's the reason ryan and i and i can say this proudly we've never had anything that has gone viral in the sense that um i don't i I mean there are a bunch of things i can think of that have gone viral that quite often virality is like a car crash though Mm. like people will all turn their head and look but they're not gonna stick around, right? When people find out about the podcast, they tend to stick around or our website or the documentary will lead them to other work uh, and and then they can go deeper if they want. But if we ever had something that just went truly went viral and hundreds of millions of views somewhere, that wouldn't mean anything if people didn't stick around. And attention act- rate's very low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and also the attention rate is yeah. pretty low too, right? <laughs> like you get this this burst of attention. There's a study I saw recently, the average American attention span now is 8 to 59 seconds. Oh, wow. And so giving your kid a long attention span just means greater than a minute, I guess, yeah. at this point.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, you know, we we got to be careful, man, because th- on every single screen that we that we have, that we own, um, uh, the screens that we see, uh, whether it's a billboard or a digital billboard, or whatever, that when we're driving down the road, it, it is, we're in a society where everyone is trying, they're vying for our attention. Yes. Like they're going out of their way to distract us, mm. to distract us, to implant a thought in our head that's going to make us want to buy what they're distracting us with. Yes. And the, I think to, you know, Cal Newport's point, like to be an adult when it comes to uh, this digital age that we live in. We have to be very deliberate with all the screens that we have uh, in our homes, and I think especially with kids, it's and it's such a easy thing to give a kid to you know to kind of babysit them for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm, and you know, there's nothing wrong with TV. There's nothing wrong with a, a, a laptop or or an iPad or whatever it may be. Um, the problem is is when we are allowing uh, those those advertisements those corporations to distract us to to uh yeah implant these really
1: kind of needless needs yeah well there, there's a reason that the the rate of depression in Amish society is nearly non-existent mm. oh wow yeah and, and part of it has to do with the lack of of distractions and the amount of deep work that is involved in everyday life there in in, in true focus and attention mm. but but it, it also has to do with with setting up a a structure that is an inherently meaningful, mm. and um, mm. I, I think about that now. You don't have to be Amish to set up those structures, but it becomes more difficult, as you say, when when you're you have these constant temptations in our in our everyday lives. Yeah, and a lot
3: of them it's our own doing.
1: Yeah, I mean,
3: it's a lot of it is is us. Yes, that looks nice and shiny. We want to get that, but not realizing like the, the attention that it's going to take away from us. Yes, indeed. All right, man, let's move on to our next question. This one's from Bradford. I think access is the key to releasing yourself from overconsumption. I'd love to hear how to determine what you need to own versus what you have access to and then uh, he makes a very good point here underwear falls into the ownership camp I
1: assume (laughs) can you you get uh, underwear on Omni yet Uh, you cannot (laughs) thank god (laughs) Ryan are you wearing the underwear today or is it me (laughs) Uh, I'm not wearing any underwear Well, um, yeah, I, I think uh, so. So what Bradford is saying here is, yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah. the, the I think access is the key to releasing yourself from overconsumption. Mm. Yeah, but but also maybe. But but also when I think about this, like uh, I don't think there's a, a such thing as too much access, but I think there is a thing as taking advantage of too much access. Yeah, you can, you can skew the complete other way. So the
2: same yeah. way you get your worth from, you know, if you're getting your entire worth, self-worth from the things that you own, you're buying these things for your own ego, or what we talked about earlier, you could do, you could go the same thing on the access route. Yeah. You know, you could, you know, rent all the cool stuff and, you know, do do all that just to feed the same emotion. Yeah, And so it's not, I don't think access is inherently good and ownership is inherently bad, but I think it's all about setting yourself up to be able to live the life that you want to live. Well, yeah, I mean, he you know, he
3: said he wants, you know, you like to hear us to talk about what you need to own versus what you need to have access to and that's going to be different for every single person I yeah. mean, everyone's got different preferences everyone has different needs me and Mariah we don't have any kids so we don't need any kids stuff but you guys you guys need kids stuff
1: yeah we went to the we went to there's like this toy warehouse down on uh, Miracle Mile and like uh mostly inspired by Derek Sivers a conversation I had with him especially we did this uh we filmed it too I will eventually do something with the, the footage we had this backstage conversation with him now backstage was a weird conference room we were at a horse track it was the strangest thing ever but uh, uh we had this conversation with him about like owning toys and and the thing he talked about on stage is like well you can't be you know, minimalist with kids or whatever and and uh i think ryan pushed back a little bit and said well you know you, uh, if you bought 10 boxes of, of toys for your kid is he's not going to be any happier with than without yeah. one box and, and so there's an appropriate amount um but i realized that um when the babysitter would come over chrissy and and uh babysit ella she's like where's her toys and i'm like they're right there both of them you know like not 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 literally but sure. like i realized like oh yeah i should probably get more toys for ella and not like force this lifestyle on, on to her mm-hmm. now i did this video with ella recently during the living room conversations uh, we were like putting together this toy set it was like legos i forget what it, what it was called but she would we were building this hospital so she could inject things into these little um mannequins or whatever <laughs> 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 I don't know. Whatever she's into. Um, and and what I realized, like, by going and buying that stuff is like, what is the appropriate amount? Because the the study I saw is the, the average child owns nearly three hundred toys but plays with only twelve daily. Yeah. And that goes back to the this whole thing of are we just buying a bunch of sort of distractions and pacifiers or are these things that the kids will really get a lot of value from and if they stop getting value from it the thing that we do with ella is we just have her donate it and she realizes why they donate it because some other kid will, will be able to play with it yeah yeah, yeah i think when it comes to the ownership versus access um for me like
3: having having rules like for the things that i own meaning like the 9090 rule that josh and i have yeah. uh basically you know anything that i haven't used in the last 90 days um and if i really think about it not going to use in the next 90 days i probably would get rid of it um, yeah. there are a few things like uh seasonal items like a winter jacket or a snowboard of course, that yeah. like it's going to be a just for when rather than a just in case yeah but i think like that's the quite or that's the uh the thing that people need to do if they want to really be clear on okay what do i need to have access to and what do i need to own uh what rules do you have for yourself is it ninety ninety? maybe for someone else it's six months six months or maybe it's a year uh, yeah. it, it doesn't matter what the number is to help us determine what we need to own versus what we have to have access to i think yes we need to look at our, our preferences look at our situation but also just create some boundaries for ourselves to kind of keep us from uh from over yeah. cons- over consuming i think brad's got a really good point the uh Oh shoot! I lost it. I, lo- I had another thought, but then I lost it. Um, no, I, I, I mean, just kind of going off of what Brad was talking about here. Um, yes, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to have access to underwear. You sh- you should own underwear. And yeah. I,
2: what <laughs> I hope happens? we not. Yeah. I hope. What I hope is that technology can help us. Because if you think about, you know, ten years ago, if you needed a car to get to work, even occasionally. There was no zip car, there was no get around, there was no Uber, there was no lift. Ryan took an Uber here today because the garage was broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Couldn't uh, get my car out. <laughs> taxis were taxis might have been impossible to call where you lived. And so you might actually have needed to own a car. Yeah. And now it could be totally feasible a decade later to not own a car. Right. And mm-hmm. what I'm hoping we see is that, you know, a huge wave of, you know, t- basically technology platforms that allow us to own you know, that, that sphere, that circle basically grows where now it's sort of, you can get access to cars really easily. But then what if there was that next wave out of things you could get access to? And then the next wave out after that, because it's all about how easy you can get access to it. If you have to drive two hours to go rent a stroller for the nine months, you have a kid, you're not going to do that. You're going to just buy a stroller
1: and Amazon it. But if you get that to deliver to your house and rent it for nine months, you might be way more likely to do that. Yeah. And so I think about the, the very first time we went out on, on tour, um, basically this guy was using omni before omni existed (laughs) we were in albuquerque remember And, and the guy came up to us afterward and said hey um i need a chainsaw only like once or twice a year and so um i will go to my storage locker and get it and then when uh i i'll use it and then i'll put it back on on the storage locker when i'm done and that storage locker is called craigslist And so he's like, I'll buy it for 25 bucks or 30 bucks or 100 bucks and I'll sell it back for roughly the same price as soon as I'm done and I'm like, man one day there's going to be uh, an Uber for chainsaws and And here it is. And now there is one. I love it. The the next question is from Elise. Elise says, I use Apple Music, Netflix, Cloud Storage and a few other similar services and I enjoy the ease of streaming and its availability wherever I go. But I feel stressed from the payments and subscriptions and emails in my inbox from these services. Hmm.
3: Man, the email stressed me out too. Like, I feel like anytime I, yeah, give out my email address, even if I, you know, I, I will uncheck that box that is automatically checked every single time Sign that up for says, updates. yeah, please send me yeah. updates. I'll uncheck it. And somehow I still end up getting a ton of emails, but there's a real easy solution, man. You just spam them and eventually like Gmail takes care of it. It just, it will filter all that crap out.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you can. You can just unsubscribe. Is, is what I recommend. Yeah. I mean, I spend most of my days in email just unsubscribing from things I never subscribed to in the first place. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you, how, like, I don't know if it's because of like Patreon stuff
3: that I do, or if it's people who just have access to my my email. But I get the most random solicited stuff man like uh, I, I nothing coming to mind right now but like just stuff that like you said never signed up for in the first place yeah i'm
1: imagining someone has my email address and they're like oh yeah ryan will appreciate this
3: yeah. sign me up for it or something
1: yeah it happens quite a bit so so i think the first thing is unsubscribe from the emails you don't like but if, if you're feeling stressed from payments i think you have to you have to work out the the math on it right mm-hmm. I, I use apple music myself yeah and it's 10 bucks a month i believe um I used to spend way more money than that on music. I mean, it oh, yeah. was. Buying albums and yeah, stuff? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I would spend easily $100 a month. And so I'm saving $90 a month. Yeah. And so I, the, the stress that, if I were to feel stressed about spending $10 a month, I just have to remind myself that I'm not spending $10 a month. I'm saving $90 a month on that. Now, if you want to go without music altogether, then yeah, you can not buy albums and not subscribe to a service. But in a lot of cases, these end up saving us money. I think the same is true with Netflix. I mean, uh, Netflix, you know, costing less than $20 a month. uh, I mean, hell, you you could rent a few movies from a red box and a, you have to like take all the time to go out to the red yeah. box. I think, I assume they still exist. Yeah, they um, do, they really do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, basically y- 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 the time that you spent plus, I mean, you're getting an unlimited version of that. Now, the question ultimately is, are you using it? Yeah. Right. Because if you're not and you're just having it because everyone else says, well, you got to have Netflix. Well, then that's a bad, a bad reason to yeah. have it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some awesome that's, services too that will like, I don't know the names of them, but they'll like go through and uh, trim up. Like they'll look at all your subscriptions and they'll tell you what you're subscribed to. And then you can just, in you can one click and they'll cancel it for you. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Do you know what uh, that's
3: called by chance?
2: Maybe we'll, Trim maybe? Ma- yeah, maybe, maybe. I think it's uh, called asktrim.com. I, maybe I we'll know. look at it and
3: if we find, look, at, look it up and if we find it, we'll give it to podcast on to put in the notes. It sounds like an awesome idea. I mean, f- yeah, I totally get where, uh, where Elise is coming from um, I signed up for like the live Hulu TV yeah, stuff totally. um, during the Olympics
2: Yeah, and then you never canceled
3: it never canceled yeah. it and then literally this month I'm like why the hell am I paying for this like I never watch yeah. live TV actually essentially I think I watched a couple basketball games, yeah. but but It wasn't worth it for me I could have went to your house and watched the basketball games if right. I really really wanted to absolutely But yeah, if it's stressing you out Alicia, you've got to decide What you're willing to pay for and what you're not willing to pay for you know, This just goes back to like minimalism is not easy and it's not perfect. It is simple. Yeah. And simple is not easy. So for Elise, uh, they're going to have to uh, do some work, do some budgeting, really dig into what's important and then decide what they
1: uh, are going to keep and what they're going to get rid of. Oh, one one other thing I I might recommend here is do a packing party for your streaming services, meaning uh, get rid of them for a period of time. Um, The experiments that I've done in the past where I got rid of TV, I got rid of home internet, I got rid of my my cell phone, and then they all three overlapped at one point. You got rid of your cell phone. Yeah, 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 for two months. And uh, you learn a special kind of loneliness when you've gotten rid of home internet and TV and and the cell phone you come home and you're like oh there's just walls here I guess I'll look <laughs> wow. out the window oh wait look a book <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me see if I still know how to read <laughs> and, and um, it was it, although I was talking to the doctors about this last week it was the most productive time in my life and then I realized like I still don't have those distractions mostly in my life anymore but uh, I've brought a new distraction in called podcasts and so now i've radically limited i went in and, and d- deleted almost all of them and 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 that allows me to say okay if i do miss any of those that i deleted in the future i can always bring them back in it's free to resubscribe to something yeah, yeah. dude I,
3: I love i love the the little stoical experiments man like i highly recommend those because like for example your, his cell phone he got rid of for two months and realized there's like three pay phones in dayton ohio <laughs> like they're just not they're just not around anymore yeah and after two months Josh is like oh man you know what I really that cell phone adds a lot of value to my life I gotta bring that back in right but it's you know it helps you use it differently helps you look at it differently but it also helps you realize like yes this is something that I do need to have ownership over Mm. and so yeah with the streaming services I think it's a great idea man like at least cancel them all and see what you really, really miss. And, you know, if you're sitting around, you're like, man, I really wish I had Netflix right now. And uh, then go ahead and then sign up for Netflix and just reactivate Netflix yeah. and, and kind of, yeah, just piece it all together.
1: Yeah. Love
3: it. All right. Uh, what's the next question? Next Ryan? question is from Miguel. This may sound stupid. Oh, I sound stupid all the time. It's all right, Miguel. This may sound stupid, but sometimes things take on a personality like a musical instrument. It's possible to borrow one, but there's just something about playing your own. How do you draw the line between ownership
1: and temporary access? Well, I think that I saw a few guitars on on Omni. Yeah, there are. And I was thinking of our friend Colin Wright. Are you familiar with Colin yeah. at all? So um, we've been friends for a long time. We, we started a business together in, in 2012, a publishing company. And he travels uh, to a new city or new country every four months or so. And one of the things he likes to have when he's in a city is a guitar. So he has to go out and buy a guitar every time he's in a city because... Um, he's, I mean he's not going to rent one for four months or yeah. six months or however long he's there and I, I was looking at that and I'm like oh that would be perfect if he just needed to like play it you know once a week or something you could rent it and then return it or whatever but yeah if you want to get good at a musical instrument you probably have to play it every day and mm-hmm. it may make sense to It may make sense to own one. If you just want to give it a shot for a while, though, you're not sure whether or not you're going to to want one long-term, it might make sense to rent it for a while. Yeah and then bring it into your life if you really feel it. I mean, it's the thing, it's the weirdest thing. When you go to buy a car, they let you drive it around the lot for a little while and maybe get on the highway for three minutes and then you're like, okay, I'm about to make the second largest financial decision in my life. Right. Based on the last seven minutes. <laughs> um, one of the, the best things that you can do if you're, before, if you're gonna buy a car is rent that car from a, 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 a car rental place mm-hmm. and drive it for three or four days. Make sure you really like it. And you can do the same thing with, with stuff that you're thinking thinking about owning yeah i you know it's
3: i totally see where miguel is coming from in fact there are some cultures um i think like japanese cultures this way where like when something turns a hundred years old Hmm. like it is uh it gets a soul or it it takes on this this different um you know i was gonna say different form but it's still the same thing but like you know now it's alive basically Hmm. so you know i understand that sometimes this is this might be a cultural thing um, or maybe, you know, uh, Miguel is just you know, this is just him and, 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 and not part of his culture, but but I guess what I'm getting at is is it's kinda dangerous, man, to like really look at stuff like taking on its own personality. Yeah, things don't
1: have a personality. Yeah,
3: and I'm not and I'm not trying to discourage Miguel here from really enjoying and really appreciating the things that he owns, but but looking at something and starting to treat it like it has a personality, I mean, that is a choice that that one would make. Am mm-hmm. I going to look at this and continue to, to uh uh, you know, keep this thought going that this thing has a personality or am I going to go out of my way to just treat this as, yes, it's something I really appreciate it, but it's just stuff. So yeah, Miguel, uh, enjoy your stuff. If you got something you really, really love, awesome, man. Like hold on to it. Yeah. Uh, But be careful, man, uh, about about giving your things personalities and then like, you know, naming it, that, that might be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well here,
1: here's a minimal maxim for you. So we usually do these like, we usually answer these with pithy sort of maxims. Um, and I think this will be That's what I've been doing one. This
3: whole time <laughs> <You've been
1: laughs> Extremely pithy Ryan Well dude yes, they, doub- they doubled the characters On Twitter <laughs> yeah, It's all 280 <laughs> right. Um, Yeah you're just Under the limit uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that one Twi- Twit longer Or something you Where you just uh, It's a link in there Yeah it's a link To uh, like a, a rambling Basically uh, It was a Facebook post That was like 65,000 characters Now oh, or wow. something Oh um, wow But uh, I'm, uh, Things don't have A personality but they can augment your personality. That's good, man. And and, and so I think some things can, can help you out with respect to like making you a more robust person because they will augment the experience of life. But the thing itself, it doesn't have a personality. It's an inanimate object, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, let's move on to one more question here. Brian says, ownership is made up. What do you guys think about home ownership? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, why does our culture place such an emphasis on this? Well, we we already touched on this a little mm. bit. Um, I, it, it depends. I, I don't look at home owning my own home as an investment. I actually own an investment property back in in Dayton, Ohio, or, or just a rental home because I wanted to diversify my my retirement assets, and I'm terrified that the stock market is going to to plummet any day now and so um just because yeah, we we go nine to ten year cycles and we have a rese- well, recession yeah right? the
3: graph can only go up and to the right for so long yes yeah i mean that's that's just life uh, yeah it, <laughs> it, it, you gotta it, have the you know in order to have the peaks you have to have the valleys and we are we are peaking right now
1: mark twain said <laughs> um history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes yeah i love that <laughs> and and uh so we're gonna have a rhyme pretty soon and and uh so i i own a, a property but it, it's it's paid for it's also in dayton ohio which is the third most affordable housing in the entire country next to detroit no no detroit's more expensive than dayton for oh, wow. sure um number one is youngstown number two is scranton and number three hmm. is dayton ohio oh, so wow. so the two of them are in ohio <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could buy a really nice house in Dayton, Ohio, for thirty thousand dollars. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You wow. can go to Belmont or or uh, anywhere on the east side and get a decent house that's a fixer upper for thirty thousand dollars. Wow. So, um, so point being is, um, yeah, uh, and even there, there's a, a bit of a housing boom compared to where it was a decade ago. But um, so I'm not against home. The, the of whole not. the whole uh, digression there is say I'm not against home ownership. Uh, I rent here in Los Angeles because I couldn't afford to buy a house in the neighborhood I'm in without getting an extensive, um, well, like a, a very long mortgage. And, and I don't believe in buying a house personally. For me, if I can't put down bare minimum 20% and do a, fi- a maximum 15-year fixed rate mortgage, ideally, I'd like to put down half, 50%. Mm-hmm. And then have a seven-year mortgage that hopefully I even pay off closer uh, before before the seven years is up. Hmm. So that, that's how I feel about home ownership personally. Um, yeah, it's it's our personal preference. We're not trying to make anyone feel bad about having
3: a thirty-year mortgage. Yes, but I know for me, like thinking about signing up for a thirty-year mortgage, the reason why I would not do that is I don't know where I'm going to be thirty years from mm. now.
2: And yeah, optionality is important.
3: Yeah, it's it's you know, um, is it Sivers who talks about renting is the it's the uh, it's buying the the freedom, the freedom yeah. to move yeah right and like that's what I have right now I have the freedom to move like if if you know the rug was swept off from underneath of me I could just put my hands in the air and leave my apartment and go move back to Dayton Ohio and be a barista and be fine because I did not put myself in that that pressure of having to pay that mortgage mm-hmm. I mean for me um, yeah thirty year mortgage is just too long of a commitment. Because, dude, I mean, honestly, I know where my direction is in the next five years. I know where I want to be, but I really don't actually know where I'm going to be at. So, yeah, that's that's our personal preference. Um, but-
1: yeah, the, the other thing is you the the break-even on, on a mortgage like that, the reason I say... Uh, uh, the the other the other factor that I would throw in there is if you're not going to live in a city for at least five years, more ideally seven, mm-hmm. um, then then you probably don't want to buy. I mean, I, I think of people who are say in the Air Force and they're moving every three years. It probably doesn't make sense for someone like that to buy a new house every three years. You're just mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna lose a lot of money You'd on be closing. Be lucky to break even, really. Yeah, pretty lucky to break yeah. even. Yeah, you're gonna lose a lot of money on closing if you don't have enough money put down. You're you're gonna pay a lot on PMI, and so. There's a lot, a lot of reasons not to buy a home. There are a lot of good reasons to buy one as well. I mean, let's let, let's say you know you're going to be somewhere for the next thirty years. This is the the house you want to settle down in. You feel really good about that. You've got enough money to put down. Um, and then yeah, you don't have to rent in perpetuity. Uh, I'm I'm thankfully there is not a black and white. I own a house and I rent. An apartment <laughs>
3: oh my god there you go. <laughs>
1: minimalism you're such a hypocrite <laughs> no man i mean I,
3: just to your point josh i i think uh just to echo there isn't a wrong there isn't a right way to do it the only time it's wrong is when you are making a decision that's wrong for you and your family are you, are you doing something that is going to put needless pressure on yourself that's going to make you work 60, 70, 80 hours a week? You might want to look at it and say, you know what, maybe I don't want to put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, yeah, you're right, Josh. There's
1: not, uh, there's not one way to do it right. Yes indeed. Well let's uh, oh we do have one more mm-hmm. this one's from Brad. Brad said, what happens uh, when access goes away? Say I need to get say I get rid of all my DVDs, in favor of using streaming services. But who knows, they could go out of business someday. So if you'd like to hear our answer to that question, you can listen to this week's PostScript episode over at The Minimalist private podcast. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly PostScript episodes, The Minimalist private podcast feed includes all of our monthly Ask The Minimalist's Anything episodes, unreleased recordings of our live events, and the entire back catalog of past private episodes. And once you become a supporter... Over at TheMinimalists.com, you'll receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays in whatever podcast app you are using. And as a Patreon supporter, you also receive access to our monthly live stream videos as well as first access to tickets to all of our live events before those tickets are available to the general public. You can find all the good stuff over at TheMinimalists.com slash support. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Um, Ryan, Nick Demas. well, since uh, Ryan's here, I got to rec-
3: recommend Omni. So uh, you can find out more about Omni at biomni.com. Uh You can check them out on Twitter at Omni or at Delk. I'm assuming that's your personal Twitter. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. No, well, it's uh, yeah, it's it, you know, I, I love how you're expanding and hopefully dude like you can keep expanding you guys can keep expanding the over the next couple of years man and anything we can do to help let us know we Thank you. would love to help
1: so Ryan if people aren't in the cities you're in uh, so they're not in the Bay Area they're not in Portland yet um, but they're interested in, in learning more they can obviously go to the website is there anything else they can do to to compel you to come to their city
2: yeah so if you sign up we actually have a wait list going for every city Okay. so if you sign up with your zip code um, that's going to influence where we come
1: oh next. man what a great idea so, you're like yeah, yeah collecting beautiful.
3: the 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 yeah where the need is where the needs the the greatest man that's that's a genius
1: idea and as soon as they sign up you're just going to spam them every day with a bunch of right. <laughs> they will not get any emails until we uh until we are coming to their city. okay that's okay. good yeah. that's beautiful <laughs> beautiful well I, I had a recommendation um there's this album that came out um by robbie Hite and caroline spencer it's called two people and it is like the perfect sort of love song album um and like it made me all sad because i was dropping Bex off at the airport and i was going to see her for two weeks and like it was like the the soundscape to this this like departing but then there's this this song and sean maybe we can play this at the end of this episode unless you're listening to this on youtube then we'll put a link to it in the show notes um but if you listen to the audio there's a song called i'll keep you and it was the perfect expression of like it, it's almost a song about like garage sales in a way where it's mm. like finding these things that trigger memories in the attic and like oh it made me think of this good time but really the thing I want to keep is this experience this relationship and this stuff is is stuff and it can be nice it can it can be good for our lives but it's not this it's not the interaction it's not the experience of mm. living it's just stuff so it's called I'll Keep You and we'll uh, we'll play that at the end of this episode awesome man I'll have to check it out before we do that, let's move on to right here right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalist. So my 37th birthday was on Friday and we're trying to help build a grocery store in Dayton, Ohio, so that people have access to good food, but also access to information because there's food on the west side of Dayton, but it's like food in quotes. You, know, you can go to the corner liquor store and buy Cheetos. Right. Uh, you can buy calories basically, yeah. but they're empty calories, there's not a whole lot of nutrition. And uh, so we want to give people access, but also education. So Ryan and I have had a few meetings with the folks from uh, Gym City Market, and uh, we've decided to help them out. We try to work on one or two big philanthropic projects a year. And over the past few years, we've been able to do a bunch of stuff. We built an elementary school. We funded a high school for a year. We helped out the victims of the Orlando mass shooting Mm -hmm. and and the Las Vegas mass shooting and and a bunch of other stuff. We try to find ways to help. And this is the way we're going to help. So Ryan and I are going to donate a large chunk of our own personal money to this. And, um... And then we need your help for the rest. We're trying to raise $100,000 here. So if you go to theminimalists.com slash Dayton, you can learn about the grocery store exactly where it's going to be. And if you donate $37, that's... How old I am right now. So that's what we're asking for. If you can't afford 37, you want to donate five bucks or whatever, then please do whatever you can afford. If you can afford $90, you're going to buy a lifetime membership for an entire family in Dayton. So you can definitely help out there. Also, uh, Ryan and I are going on tour. We're going on a three city tour. It's called the Simply Southern Tour. We're going to talk about money and minimalism. We're going to be in Nashville. And Birmingham, Alabama, and Kentucky will be in Louisville. And so we're going to have spe- special guests with us. We'll have Rachel Cruz and Anthony O'Neill and Chris Hogan. You hmm. just talked about Chris Hogan's book earlier. Yeah, I don't
3: think I've ever been so excited for a tour, man.
1: Because <laughs> it's, like, it's going to be different from anything we've ever done. Definitely. And uh,
3: we have just, I'm a little nervous because like the people, the guests that we have, like, they're really going to make me look dumb. Uh, but, you know, it's not 18. about me. It's about it's about the listeners. Uh, so
1: the listeners are really going to enjoy it. Well, <laughs> awesome. The nice thing is we're going to get an education on stage while we're there. Right. Absolutely. And, and uh, the nice thing about it is it's a bit of an immersive experience. So you can read their books, and there's a lot of helpful information in there. In fact, I did a YouTube video about the the five or six different books that help people get out of debt uh, during the um this living room conversation series I've been doing. And I did five or six books on helping people get out of debt. And three of the books were from three of the people here. So Rachel and Anthony and Chris. And so they're going to be on stage with us. We'll be answering your questions about money and minimalism and everything in between. That's uh, July 20th, 22nd, and 24th. All the details are over at our website, theminimalists.com slash tour. Also, uh, real quick, Ryan, our book, Minimalism, is now available in Spanish. It's in... Uh, Get out of here. Yeah, it's in... When did, when did that happen? Last week, that Chile. That is awesome, man. And uh, in Colombia, and Mexico, and Uruguay, and likely some other countries as well. So Dude, the only thing... Is not a Portuguese yet? No, it is not in Portuguese That's the only... Yeah because we get the two biggest
3: yeah the two biggest asks are portuguese and spanish um not in that order but that is awesome and we're like yeah. halfway there
1: Yeah, so we're in over a dozen languages now if you are in any of those countries you can go to your bookstore and you should be able to find it there um oh and if you want access to all the show notes you always hear me talk about hey sean podcast sean put that in the show notes then just uh put your email address in over at minimalists.com at the top you'll get any of the show notes any new podcast episodes we put out there but you know well, what you won't get What? Spam. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes spam. Yeah. Well, and we also won't sell your email to anyone. I think that's why you get (laughs) all these emails. emails. Yeah, I must
3: have got it, must have got sold somehow. You're on some
1: email list. Yeah. BusyGuy059 (laughs) at (laughs) AOL.com. Ryan's it's, first email address is grandma, set grandma up for him. set up for him <laughs> Wait why did she say Busy guy Well I don't know
3: Like we were just sitting there We were trying a million Different things And uh, They were like all taken Yeah like yeah Like at the time Like I think I was working I was just like working A lot or something She's like let's just Try a busy guy That didn't work And it suggested You know how it suggests Something busy guy 05 And that's yeah. what I yeah. <laughs> And you yes, still have it, it today No I don't have that. I don't, yeah. Well, I don't have the... I have a Yahoo that is like my spam. Why am I giving my spam email? <laughs> yeah, I, I do have a Busy Guy uh, email address, but it's... Yeah, it's not...
1: Yeah, there so you if you guys want to reach out to Ryan, right. yeah, BusyGuy05, <laughs> uh, yeah, that means there was Busy Guy 1 through 4 was yeah. already taken. Yeah. And Busy Guy. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: Can you oh imagine?
1: What's your email address? Busy guy at AOL dot com. I don't, dude. I mean, it is it is
3: some of the email addresses that that we came up with is just hila- yeah. hilarious in general. Like we never really thought that email would be something we use professionally,
2: or like printed somewhere, right?
3: Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah, like, and I still every once in a while will come across, you know, like uh cheetah at hotmail.com
1: <laughs> by the way i apologize to busy guy at aol.com and also cheetah print girl <laughs> for all the spam we're sending you are bad yeah please don't send email to those addresses That's probably someone's real email yeah uh anyway ryan you got anything else for us no man all i got here is some voicemail
3: comments and tips from our listeners
4: Hi, this is Joe from Dallas. I was listening to some old podcasts, your collection one. I'm a disc golfer, and I used to have 500-plus discs, of which I had probably thrown 50 of them more than one time. I had a big bag of putters, uh, 20 putters, I used to carry around to practice putting with. Uh, One day I bought a smaller bag so I could walk around with the putters and not have quite as much weight, only fit six putters in it. Uh, I had forgotten my larger bag and just had the smaller bag when I went out to play the next time and I had to grab five discs to take on my round and I shaved four strokes off of my best round ever it was not a fluke I continued to play with this smaller bag with only five a uh, couple of drivers a couple of mid ranges couple of putters and I kept getting between two and five less than I had ever played before uh, I could only throw what I was really comfortable with because that's the only choice I had, and I became a much more skilled disc golfer by cutting down those options.
5: Hi, this is Emily from Oklahoma City. My tip is for Jason from the Reset episode. He was asking if minimalism is linked to health or they think if, if he thinks it encourages health. And my my intake on his question was that being a minimalist and taking away the pacifiers per se in your life allows you to feel and see your issues with more clarity and more authenticity. And so taking all of those away and accepting where you are allows you to move forward. Whenever someone doesn't have a pacifier and they're authentically feeling the issues or that they're having in their life. It's a lot easier to identify and move forward. Hi, my name is Ashley from Chicago, and I just wanted to call in and leave a general tip for those people who are trying to improve their writing. Um, It's an app that I've been using called Grammarly. It's basically a free app that will scan the text that you have written uh, for any common grammar mistakes, there is a subscription if you really wanted to kind of do a boost um, that will kind of give you hints of, you know, other words that you could be using. Or if there's like a, a run on sentence, it will help break it down for you. But I've noticed that ever since I started using this app and I've been using the free version, um, that my... Writing has become more intentional and I've also been a little more um, aware of what I'm writing. Uh and generally it's it's helping me improve um, my writing skills. So instead of just typing out an email and sending it on over, I'm actually typing it out, checking my uh my message through Grammarly and has definitely been helping and improving my skills.
1: All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question or a tip, a comment for our listeners or for The Minimalist Podcast, give us a call, 406-219-7839. Love to hear what you have to say about access versus ownership. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com if you'd rather do that than call. And if you leave here with just one message, oh, well, before that, Ryan Delk, I want to thank you for being here, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks it's for having me. Thanks so much, It's been a man. real pleasure. This is great. And I'm grateful for what you're doing because we often talk about access is greater than ownership in many contexts and now we actually have a market solution for that and if there's anything we can do to help add value to get that message out there we're we're more than willing to help out thanks for having me thank you for being here and if y'all leave here today with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time
0: Looking around, finding the photos under the old clothes that we're wearing in the photos. I'm keeping what I want, I'm leaving what I don't. I'll keep you, I'll keep you. I'm keeping what I want, I'm leaving what I don't. I'll keep you, I'll keep you.